I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to episode 12 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. Sean and Ryan with you as always, talking about Yankees baseball. We also had Sweeney Murdy on this week, and we will play that for you in a little bit. We talked about everything going on around the Yankees right now, from their stellar play of late. They went 9-1 and one on their homestand, the first time they've done that since 2009. Last time before that was 1998, so obviously both those, Good years. Yeah, those both ended in uh, desirable finishes. Uh, we also talked about the struggles of Jay Happ. Probably should have threw in the struggles of James Paxton as well. Those those two arms have not been, uh, not been showing up for the Yankees so far, yet they keep winning because they're hitting a whole bunch of home runs. They've gone deep in 29 straight games that's a new MLB record DJ LeMahieu one of those who has been on a little bit of a home run streak he's approaching his home run total from last year already yet he's been away from Coors Field it's it's been remarkable he's been uh, he's emerging into almost an MVP of the league candidate but uh, Sean just what's been your overall take of the Yankees over the past week I mean it has, it has to be a good one they uh went from having they went from being a half a game back in the in the division to being seven games up in 12 days not not too bad not a bad run um yeah it was awesome to talk to Sweeney uh we recorded on Monday so of course we didn't have uh we didn't have to react to the Paxton start or the Stanton injury which we'll get to but um yeah, I mean it's it's been a good run um, for all the booing that Stanton got. He also he hit with a 9.47 OPS uh, in the last week, so it's going to be a big loss. But DJ LeMahieu is making up all the slack. Uh, I just was pulling up the stats from the last week. DJ LeMahieu's OPS in the last six games because he played six games last week is 1.985, which is just <laughs> absolutely incredible. Um, and that's a, that's across 22 at bats, so it's not you know it's not like he only got a couple of at bats and has uh, has inflated that. So that that's pretty awesome. Um, but I think you're seeing what um, what some Yankee teams of the past have done, and we've talked about that with Sweeney about the depth and where if they don't get a good starting pitching performance like they did in, from Paxton yesterday, they still have a chance to win those kind of games even when they go down five nothing because you have 
a lineup where, I mean, even with Stanton down, the weakest hitters in your lineup are, are who? Gardner, Hicks, and Didi right now, which, I mean, if they're the three weakest, I'll take that every day of the week. Um, so so having, that, having that lineup is is really going to be able to bail them out of a lot of games, especially because with how many games they played in a row, the bullpen was obviously gassed as we got into that, um, as we got into that Toronto series, the, the Houston series really was playoff like atmosphere. I was there Wednesday night. You were there, or I was there Thursday night. You were there Saturday night. Uh, the games were really intense. Gary Sanchez just destroyed baseballs and threw out runners all, all, all week, and, and it was awesome. But by the time they got to that Toronto series, and, and probably the Verlander game, I think you saw fatigue setting in. Yeah, absolutely. It was huge for Torres and the Yankees to get um, Thursday's or sorry Wednesday's game done in that ninth inning so they didn't have to use any more arms. Now, obviously, you get two days off before the London series starts, and then another day off after that. And then all of a sudden, you're, what, a week away from the All-Star break? So um, a lot of those arms that have been used are going to be getting some rest, at least, uh, heading into the All-Star break. So that will be nice. And, you know, you mentioned some of the Yankees that that are considered some of the weaker hitters right now. Uh, maybe it's a good time before we get into all the other stuff to talk about how Didi's been since he's come back. Because obviously we were all... Super excited when he came back. It almost looked like he wasn't going to miss a beat when he came back. He had a bunch of hits when he in those first two or three games back, including a home run, and then he didn't hit another one until uh, yesterday, which was the Wednesday sweep of the Jays when he got the Yankees on the board with that first run and the first home run to give them 29 in a row. But um, <clears throat> just doing some... Doing some digging on DD for for an article I'm writing for Pinstripe Alley. Notice that Didi's seeing less fastballs than he's ever seen in his entire career uh, this season. And if you look at how he did against fastballs from from 2017 to 2018, his performance against fastballs were considerably better last year. So maybe it's pitchers adjusting to. Didi's approach at the plate and giving him some more breaking balls and and then you also take a look at his chase rate against fastballs this year and it, it is skyrocketed it's the uh, highest it's been since I believe his first season in the major league so maybe he's hunting those for maybe he's hunting those a little too much and obviously they're not coming as often as they used to now it was encouraging to see him hit that home run on Wednesday against the fastball so obviously you, you like seeing that, but it seems like pitchers are attacking him a little differently this year, and he's trying to adjust. But you know his OPS is around uh, six seventy, six eighty, or something like that this season so far. So again, a really small sample size, but it looks like pitchers are coming at him with a little bit different of a game plan this year so far. Yeah, I you know you definitely saw that uh, in the Houston series specifically, but. Once Toronto rolled in, he did have, in his last two games, two multi-hit games, two hits on Monday, and then he had the three-hit game yesterday with with the dinger mixed in. So, I, I mean, that's that's baseball, right? It's a game of adjustments and then adjusting to the adjustments that are made against you. And I, I assume that having, you know, going five for nine in your last two games is going to allow him to relax and get more locked in and, and, as Aaron Boone likes to say, control the strike zone because that's the big key, right? 
you might not be getting your fastballs, but when you're getting ones outside the zone, you, you still have to hold off because then you'll get yourself into fastball counts, even though those don't really exist anymore because pitchers will throw whatever, whenever. But um, he'll get hit, he'll get more count leverage that way. And, um, you know, he did work in a walk on Monday, so um, which, you know, Dee's never been known for walking a ton. So hopefully a little more plate discipline not chasing those fastballs will allow him to get a little bit more locked in and, and he'll make the adjustment. Uh, I think he will. I mean, he's done nothing but hit since his first year here. And, um, not, you know, I'm, I'm confident that even if he is, uh, you know, not seeing the fastballs that he usually crushes, that he'll make the adjustment. And we saw Aaron judge adjust in his, the, in the postseason in his first year, right? He killed fastballs for pretty much the entire regular season. And then Houston attacked him with nothing but breaking balls. And by game three of that series, he figured it out. And then all of last season, he was fine. So I think we'll, um, I think Didi will probably do the same. I I wouldn't, I'm not too worried about it in the long term. And at the same time, he's just knocking some rust off. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really have much concern for him either. I mean, you look at, like you said, he never, he's never walked that much in his career, but he's also never struck out much in his career. He's been one of the better players in the league the last two seasons in terms of keeping that strikeout rate down. And obviously it's, it's up uh, by a noticeable amount so far this year. And that's just a combination, like you said, of a small sample size. Um, you know, and he's cut it down in his, I don't mean to interject. He's cut it down. I'm just looking at his game log in his last six games. He's only struck out three times. And yeah. A lot of at bats, 24, 20, 29 at bats. So, so obviously a good trend for DD. Looks like he's shaking off that rust, adjusting to uh, a new game plan by opposing pitchers. So he's just still a really good hitter who just seems to continue to get better over the last four years since he's been with the Yankees. It's pretty incredible. Um, all right, so let's get to some of the more. Uh, quote-unquote, breaking news or latest news. Um, I guess we'll get the two not-so-great news items out of the way in Paxton and Stanton. So first with Stanton, he has a PCL strain. He's on the 10-day DL. Boone said he'll be reevaluated in 10 days, so you already know it's going to be longer than 10 days. But um, just, I mean, a, a really tough blow for the team and, and the fans who you know, have been waiting to see Stanton again for three months before he came back for the first time. And then he has a three hit game in his second game back. Then he hits a 445 foot home run, um, back at the stadium on, uh, what was that Monday? And then he got hurt yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he, yeah, he hits that 445 foot home run on Monday. And then Tuesday he goes down it. He doesn't know if it was when he slid into second or third base the, his slide in the third certainly looked awkward. And you, <laughs> and you thought, and you thought it was going to be a hand issue because he clearly got spiked yeah. on the hand uh, sliding into third base. But I guess it was a knee issue, and now, you know, now you assume that you're going to be out for you know two three weeks. I uh, yeah I don't so I don't know what the PCL is or does, and maybe I should research that. I'm not <laughs> a doctor, um, but uh, yeah, not not the best news on Stan. I don't. I don't know what to even expect in terms of how long he'll be out for, but he was starting to look like Giancarlo Stanton of old. He got his average up to what two ninety, I think, or uh, three oh, yeah, something like that, two ninety, I think, before he went on the disabled list, which or the I'm sorry, the injured list. 
which is uh, not too bad, 421 on base. And, and, you know, I'm there Thursday night. He strikes out at his first at-bat, and everybody's bowing him. Finishes three for five, four total bases with a double mixed in. And, you know, he got rolling from there. And people are just way too hard on this guy. And uh, it's, you're going to see when you have Mike Talkman playing left fielder, Brett Gardner, it's a lot nicer to have Giancarlo Stanton in your lineup. Um, so it's going to be an, uh, it, it's, it sucks. We just got the whole band back together and, uh, now Stanton's on the IL. And like I said, I have no idea what to expect in terms of length of this injury, except at least two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just for quick, uh, medical lesson to everybody, the PCL is one of the ligaments that connects the thigh to the shin or thigh bone to the shin bone. So, uh, that is what John Carlos Stanton has strained. That's all I can tell you about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't mean to get like quote unquote ranty because that's not really like what we like to do here. But there's a large legion of fans that I just can't help but feel like deserve Mike Talkman because you're right. There's been so much complaint about Stanton calling him, you know, injury prone. Oh, like what happened this time? And, you know, pe- people are so quick to forget he played 158 games last year and 159 games the season before he he helped carry the team when he was on a bum hamstring because judge was out and you know you can argue without that without that stretch all of a sudden the Yankees playoff chances last year would have been very much more up in the air without Stanton performing the way he was while judge was out and and during the early parts of the summer and you know the Yankees brought him in for a reason he was coming off an MVP year he follows it up with a quote-unquote down year where he hits 38 home runs and drives in 100 obviously his OPS was down from a year where he hit 59 home runs and that's probably something to be expected no one's gonna get that kind of production on a consistent basis and yeah I mean is he is he prone to strikeouts yes but he's also a great fielder a considerable improvement from guys like Clint Frazier, and I'm not sure what the numbers are on Mike Talkman, but I know when I was there on Saturday, Stanton made a phenomenal catch in left field, uh, crashing into the wall. I, obviously, he made a great catch in right field, and I believe what was his first game back when he uh, went into the stands and, and uh, caught that ball that looked like a fan was going to catch it. But anyway, um, yeah, you, you really wish that fans were a little more appreciative of, of Stanton. It's, it's almost like when he hits home runs – no one's there's not really much of a reaction because like oh that's what he's supposed to do but then when there's a strikeout they won't let anyone on Yankees Twitter hear the end of it and it 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 is a little exhausting to me so I'm obviously rooting for Stan to be back soon and hopefully mash a bunch of homers when he gets back well i mean we saw this another case just like this and hopefully some people learn their lesson from uh disparagement of Gary Sanchez last season. Yeah. And um, now you talked about LeMahieu possibly being an MVP. I, I think Sanchez, um, Sanchez is my pick for MVP, not only oh, he's, Yankees, he's mine but the too. American League. Um, and I mean, he's just been absolutely incredible throwing runners out in big spots too. I mean, the, the caught stealing he got yesterday was huge. The one he had in um, the game against the Astros was huge. Uh, he's just been phenomenal. And, um, yeah, I, I think that – I think part of the issue with Stanton is he came over here and you're getting a guy who won the National League MVP and hit 59 homers. You expect him to be the best hitter on your team. 
And he just he he hasn't been, and that's just because Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks had monster. Well, I know Judge was hurt, but Aaron Judge is a more complete hitter than Giancarlo Stanton, and Hicks had a huge year last year. And this year, Gary Sanchez is playing like an MVP. So, I mean, that just happens. Guys have years that fluctuate. But I'd rather have Giancarlo Stanton in my lineup than Mike Talkman or Brett Gardner. And I love Brett Gardner. He's one of my favorite players. I, you know, I can't say that enough. I, you know, we were texting yesterday during the game. I was following on GameCast when Glaber was up. He was down 0-2, and I texted that, you know, Gardner will end it. I was so confident just because I like Gardy so much, and he's just such a such a clutch hitter. But, you know, Torres took, took care of business, who's another one. He's just been absolutely awesome. Yeah, we need to get him. We need to get him starting in the All Star game. I know Jorge Polanco is having a fantastic year, but I think I saw in the most recent voting that Polanco's ahead. But I, I voted all. The, they only let you vote twice now: once on MLB.com and then once on Google. So I already put all my votes in. Nice. Yeah. So get out and vote. Yeah, everyone, get out and vote. Vote Torres. Vote Voit. Uh, Sanchez, obviously. Shit, voter Shell. <laughs> I felt so dirty voting for Shell. I'm like, oh god. I saw a guy at the game on Thursday that had an Urshela jersey, like with the name on the back. I'm like, oh wow, that's that's that that was a, an aggressive purchase. Yeah, that's a knee jerk investment. But um, yeah. hey, well, I, I, that's coming from the guy who has a Greg Bird jersey. So, <laughs> um, honestly, the most knee jerk. It was never a jersey, but the most knee jerk piece of merchandise i ever bought i thought turned out pretty well i bought a robinson cano number 22 jersey which was what a couple weeks after he he was brought up and they didn't even have him in the stadium yet i bought it from one of the tables outside the stadium underneath the uh the train tracks so but i i like that one that one turned out pretty well obviously and i think i think i bought his rookie card like a couple days after he got called up that was that was probably what worked out better than Greg Bird, but oh, I'm sure all the Mets fans that bought Cano stuff are regretting their decisions. <laughs> now that was that's probably a different story, yeah. Um, but I think I think Greg Bird has a higher postseason OPS than <laughs> Robinson Cano. <laughs> well, no, I mean Cano still had some good series. He, he had grand slam in the in the postseason. That was fun. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Any, anyway, so yeah, but Hap stinks. Yeah, Hap stinks. Paxton has kind of stunk. Um, the, the problem with Paxton is he looks like so good. Like his last start, he looked great, and then this happens, and you're just like, "What the hell with this guy?" Yeah, it's all right. So like, I'm I'm trying to figure out what is going on. I mean, his velocity is the same. His his barrel percentage, x slugging. WOBA, all it's like, it's all like the same. His hard hit percentage is down. His strikeout percentage is a little down. And then the only noticeable one is that his base on ball percentage is has increased from six point five to ten percent. Yeah, well, that's that's a big chunk. Yeah, so um, so I think he's just missing. I I would assume that means he's just missing location. Maybe not trusting his his stuff as much because you're right the velocity is all still there i mean in, in terms of in terms of his pitch selection as well it i mean one thing one thing i notice is that his um his curve he's throwing his curveball less than ever and he's throwing his cutter more than ever well we've seen that happen with guys that get like fall in love with their cutter and then they start giving up the the long ball and i remember hughes went through that when he discovered the cutter he gave up a bunch of homers so 
I don't know. Hopefully, Yankees analytical staff gets to him, tell him to start throwing that curveball a little bit more. And, uh, you know, MVP machine he needs to read, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's he's still throwing his fastball 64% of the time. And, that you know, given how hard he throws it, that's a good thing. But he's just got to locate it better. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe Did they bring him, excuse me, did they bring him back too fast from the I.L. because of the state of crisis that the rotation was in certainly maybe. seems that way could be maybe he's just still trying to get used to pitching on a knee that's that might bother him for the rest of the season like he said it might not might not be the same for the rest of the year so go to cc sabathia's locker get an extra knee brace and hopefully he'll be uh back to the way he was pitching last season but, that that'd be ideal but again that's just one of the yankees starting pitching concerns right now like you mentioned because Jay Happ still stinks gave up um I mean he was just knocked around in his last start and um hasn't hasn't been the best season for Happ so far uh what are you seeing what are you seeing from Happ right now nothing I like (laughs) uh I'm seeing him give up a lot of home runs and he just stinks I mean what Oh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing an old pitcher who had a good year and now is unable to replicate it, and the Yankees threw too much money at him. That, that's what I'm seeing because they got, you know, they'd they'd, ra- they'd rather go with a shorter term deal for James Paxton than Patrick Corb. I'm sorry for um for Jay Happ than Patrick Corbin. So I'm seeing an old pitcher who is not spotting his fastball with the same consistency that he did last season. That's that's what I'm saying. And we see it happen we see it happen with CC, but CC has more in his arsenal than Hap does cuz CC has this, you know, the slider or the cutter or whatever he's calling it and the change. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and part of the part of what attracted the Yankees to keep Hap was, you know, his success against teams in the American League East, specifically the Red Sox, his he was a spin rate darling, which made up for his uh, low 90s fastball. And that spin rate's been the same this year, but his fastball is getting hit 10% harder than last year. So, again, is it a location thing? Is it just, you know, a pitcher aging and going through natural decline that happens to every player? Who knows? I mean, you hope that's not the case because. Um, they have they're stuck with him for a couple more years. But um, Sweeney Murray talked a lot about Hap and what he thinks is going on with him. So maybe this is a good time to transition into talking to Sweeney Murray if you're ready. Uh, yeah, let's play Sweeney. Get to listen to him on the pre and post game on WFAN and uh, Thirty with Murray, his awesome podcast, which everybody should listen to, in addition to ours, of course. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, here he is from WFAN and SNY, Sweeney Murdy, after a quick break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're joined by Sweeney Murdy, longtime Yankees reporter. You can catch his work on WFAN and SNY, and he's also the host of his own podcast, the Great Podcast 30 with Murdy. Uh, Sweeney, how you doing? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. Thanks for the plug. Appreciate it. You got it. So, um, obviously, one of the great events of the Yankee season is Old Timers Day, which was on Sunday, and the joy of it ended kind of quickly with Jay Happ on the mound, a Another struggling day, especially at Yankee Stadium, where he's been particularly poor this season. Is there anything specific you're seeing with Hap? Anything you've seen in his numbers that, or anything that would suggest that he'll eventually turn this around? Just what is your overall take on on Hap so far this season? I uh, just really anecdotally, it just appears he's not as aggressive with his fastball. He's not locating it to all four quadrants as, as precisely as he was a year ago. Um, you know, it's not like he's a guy who you measured that has, has dropped like six or eight miles an hour on his fastball or is hiding some sort of an injury. Uh, you know, there are pockets when he pitches okay, but that's, you know, it's not the guy that you saw last season. So um, I think because of the way he pitches, it always feels like if he's going okay, he's not that far from fixing what needs to be fixed. But, you know, yesterday was kind of extreme with the, uh, the three home runs off of him. And, uh, you know, I know the home runs have really been a problem for him since spring training. But as I said, because just his style of pitching, it, it's probably going to appear that he's not that far off. And, uh, you know, the Yankees are, have made a commitment to him. So they, it's up to them to, to, to figure this out. And Hap is just one of a few problems the starting rotation has had. A lot of it is things that they can't necessarily control, like injuries, but the rotation is probably going to be the most glaring need as the trade deadline approaches, and one of the more obvious trade chips would be Clint Frazier, but it seems like the Yankees are standing pat and saying, you know, we are only going to trade Clint Frazier for a controllable starter, so you think that that would probably not include a trade for a guy like Madison Bumgarner, but... What are your thoughts on Clint Frazier, the likelihood he gets dealt? I know he's back in AAA right now. He hit well at the major league level. We know about his struggles in the field. But what do you see uh, for Clint Frazier in his Yankees future moving forward? Yeah, I, I think the idea of a controllable starter is that's kind of how you want to negotiate right now and say that's what you want to move him for. Remember, you know, the Yankees do have uh, uh, Brett Gardner as a free agent at the end of this season. So that's a slot that you might think. Frazier can fit into you know the I think the biggest problem both internally and his value with other teams right now is the adventures that he had in the outfield defensively are, are going to cause both the Yankees and other teams to to try to figure out who he is as an outfielder and where you know what value that has uh, he clearly has a, uh, a special bat but you've got to figure out what to do and where to put him so um He's yeah, he's definitely a guy whose name's going to get brought up. Um, there are other pieces to this, and we'll see if that difference-making type of pitcher is actually available to them, and and what kind of price it is. And Sweeney, one of the reasons that Frazier got an opportunity was with Judge going down, and um, I know there's been some things made about Aaron Judge changing his approach, especially with two strikes to kind of cut down on strikeouts, but that might take away some of his power. Coming back from the injury, which I think Carlos Beltran said he won't feel the same the rest of the year for, what are the expectations for Aaron Judge moving forward? I mean, you have to expect Aaron Judge to be Aaron Judge. You know, he's a he's a tremendous player and a tremendous hitter, and he's shown that. 
Uh, the last few years, he's had uh, issues just trying to stay on the field. Now, you, know, you can't control uh, you can't control getting hit by a pitch, um, but he's got to manage this. And you know, I don't think the Yankees brought him back. Listen, they've got a pretty stacked lineup right now. I don't think they're bringing him back to try to experiment with, okay, can he play with this or not? I think the idea is that he's healed from this injury uh, as much as he can be healed, and he's got to play. Um, could it be something that he still feels because the injury happened two months ago? Sure, but I don't know the degree. You know, you're talking about different players and different bodies and you know, different uh, parts of their uh, careers as well. So um, I don't know that you can just draw the straight line from Carlos Beltran said this. So this is exactly what you're going to have happen with Aaron Judge. And one of the other big bats in the lineup, um, Gary Sanchez, just having a tremendous bounce back year, not only with the bat, but also defensively. I, I know you tweeted out. Uh, during the game Friday night that he had a had a big block uh, in a big situation. And he's had a few of those this year. He's been greatly improved and he's kind of making all the all the people that were tweeting about trading him seem kind of crazy. Do you think last season? I mean, it's only his second year in the a full year in the big leagues. But do you think maybe he was a little bit more banged up than the Yankees had let on? I, I don't think you need to uh, talk about being how much anybody got let on, how much let on about it. He went on the injured list twice. And he had surgery in the season, you know. I mean, that's that's pretty plain. Uh, he was not 100 uh, percent, you know. I would think throughout the year. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it is coming back healthy, uh, making a commitment to being better defensively. You know, I, I think that and the play that you're talking about that jumped out at me happened, I think, in the third or fourth inning. You know, I don't think he's ever going to get credit for. Uh, making a block unless it's the tying run at third base in the ninth inning. You know, that's not where most of these things happen. He's been really good defensively. For me, he's been the MVP of the team and maybe the league. Uh, everybody wants to point to DJ LeMay, who stepped in. And I think part of that is is our own uh, shortcomings and what we expected of DJ LeMahieu. You know, I mean, how do we realize what a good player he was, what a good hitter he was? Um, I think the idea with Sanchez, people are just kind of like, okay, well, good. He's finally doing what he's supposed to. You know, I, I don't think it can be that simple. I think you look at the position he's playing and the production he's giving uh, and how well he's doing both. I think this is serious MVP type material right here. I could, couldn't agree with you more. He, he's been unbelievable, and it's been so much fun to watch. And, and so has the whole team, and not only just with the crazy starting lineup, but, you know, as everybody, including you, have been tweeting, like when they, they have bats on the bench that are just their major league caliber starting bats, the depth on this team, how does, it, how does it compare to some of the teams of Yankees past that have went on to have success in the postseason? You know, it's, I, I would think it's up there. You know, remember in um – Listen, in 2006, they had to make choices with after Matsui had gone down with an injury and uh, they had to trade for Bobby Abreu. So you had Abreu and Sheffield and Matsui and you're trying to, you know, Bernie Williams is still there and you're trying to fit everybody in. Somebody's not going to be happy sitting on the bench. Okay, you know, there's you can't change the rules. How many outfielders you're allowed to play? Um, I. You know, you look at uh, maybe some other teams that I, I remember thinking, telling somebody recently, you know, 1996, you played in a National League ballpark in the World Series. 
and you had to choose between Cecil Fielder and Tino Martinez. You know, these are, that's the quote unquote good problem. It's, it's a good problem for the guy who gets to play and it's a bad problem for the guy who doesn't. So, um, I, I think that it's too early. All that said, it's too early to really compare because you don't know who's going to be healthy when you get to that point. Right now, the Yankees have finally gotten through the injuries, especially to their outfielders, and have plenty of options available to them. And, and another added component to having so much depth is that you get to rest some of these guys that are just coming back from lengthy injuries and give them some time off every now and then, one of them being Didi Gregorius, who, you know, he, it looked like he had he was not going to miss a beat, had a couple good games right out, right off the IL, has slowed down a little bit. His OPS is 535 so far this season. But, you know, what do you what do you see for Didi's future? Could, do you see him getting extended before the season ends, or is this going to go to free agency? Obviously, Didi is such a fan favorite who has just seemed to improve every year since he came to the Yankees and did a great job filling in for Derek Jeter. Just what, what do you see happening in Didi's near future? An extension at this point would surprise me, just given where he is coming off the injury. And, uh, you know, I, I would have maybe thought if he had finished last season healthy, I would have thought he was in position for for an extension and not get to free agency. I'm, you know, I mean, anything could obviously change, but it's not anything that I would think is possible now. And you let the season play out, get to free agency. Uh, he's he's going to be a player who can come in a lot of money. And uh, I think it's a good fit for both sides to keep him a Yankee, and we'll see if that happens. Uh, but now he is going to be part of a little infield rotation where he gets some time off. Yeah, and here's the difference. You know, I mean, you've got, you know, you have DJ LeMayhew kind of playing in a, in a bench position, and you want to get him at bats. You need to get him at bats. You know, if, if we all loved Ronald Torres, but if he's your bench player, he's playing once every eight or nine days. And, you know, there's a reason for that. So um, I know people balk at the idea of trying to rest Glaber Torres here and there. Well, you know, the day Glaber Torres said, D.J. LeMay, who played second base, that's really not a bad idea. The way you rest players now, it's to maximize their production, not because they need to give a guy a day off. You you give it to him before he actually needs it, and that's their that's the new way of, of keeping players healthy and productive. And going back to the rotation for a second, you know you've got guys like Luis Severino about to start throwing bullpens, and you hope he comes back soon. Obviously, we know how valuable he can be on the mound. But then you had Jordan Montgomery suffer another setback. Who knows if he'll be back by the time the season's over? Do you think the Yankees were were counting on some of these injured guys to come in and almost represent acquisitions in terms of them being healthy again, or are they still aggressively looking at other starting pitchers? in potential trades. No, I, I mean, it's kind of hand in hand. I mean, I think the setback that Severino suffered really hurts because I think you were always looking at him as a pitcher who could be available to you in this first half of the season. And now it might not, uh, it doesn't look like he's really going to be ready for you until August. If you play out the timeline of, of what he's doing and what it takes to get him up to full strength. Well, that's a little late for trying to figure out what you need at the trade deadline. So, um, you know, they, they're fond of saying you never count on them being back until they're back for reasons like this. Um, I think all along that the Yankees were going to seek pitching help the closer they got to the deadline and see what 
was available. And maybe that need is a little more glaring now, but I don't think it was ever completely off their radar. We're talking with Sweeney Murdy from WFAN and SNY. Uh, Sweeney, you've been around the Yankees and reporting on them for so long. It's just, I mean, what is the experience like being almost synonymous with the team? You know, you're, you're the voice fans here before and after Yankee games on the radio. You're on so many of the great Yankeeography episodes helping retell some of the greatest moments in franchise history. It's just, you know, have you ever thought of what it's like to kind of almost you know, be seen as part of the organization in a way because you've been there through all these incredible moments over the years. Well, you know, listen, if I, if I left there tomorrow, it wouldn't take long for people to forget me. So I wouldn't, you know, while I thank you for that analogy, I wouldn't put myself as part of the fabric of the organization kind of thing. Um, I like to think that I can take some time every day to recognize, you know, how, cool it is and how lucky i've been to see some of the things i've seen and old timers day is a great example of that you know and and you got players coming up to you and talking to you they hadn't seen in a long time and it's not always me seeking them out it's them tapping me on the shoulder you know and saying hi so it's you know that part's kind of neat because old timers they used to be very different it used to be players that i knew who they were but i didn't know and now old timers day is a lot of people that i know and i've covered and i can just walk right up to them um that part's really neat it's uh you know it's it's uh, a really good seat for history, and uh, I, I hope that I take a moment every day to appreciate that while I'm trying to do my job. All right. Well, everyone, that's Sweeney Murdy. You can catch his work on WFAN, hear him on the Post Game Show and on SNY. Also, be sure to check out his podcast, 30 with Murdy. Sweeney, thanks so much for coming on, and, um, yeah, hope to have you on again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, huge thanks again to Sweeney Murray. A lot of great stuff and good insight on on Hap. And obviously, you hope he turns it around. But Sean, until then, we've we've got uh, more of the opener, and and hopefully Domingo Herman coming back soon, as he is scheduled to uh, make a Triple A start. And you hope that means maybe he can come back sometime next week, which is nice. It's uh, getting a pitcher back without any kind of setbacks setbacks so far. Well, we're not there yet, and um, so I'm going to knock on some wood there. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to have another arm. Um, I kind of like the opener. I'd rather bump Hap to Siberia and uh, keep the opener and, and let let uh, Domingo pitch. But uh, we'll see what kind of version of Domingo we get. Because, you know, as we spoke with Katie Sharp on an earlier episode, a lot of his success was sort of unearned. Uh, he was getting lucky pitcher batters were hitting into a lot of bad luck against him and the the regression was coming we all saw it on its way um but the opener's been awesome and i am in love with nestor cortez i i mean you know you want to talk about low 90s fastball well 
I mean, when you combine it with his his breaking ball and with all the different arm angles he throws, I know we're going to see uh, David Cohn tonight. I'm going to try to get a question in at the Q and A and ask him what he how he likes Nestor Cortez because he's very David Cohnish in the way that he yeah. messes with timing and everything. I'm, I've really liked why it, it's just fun to watch him pitch. And I know I posed this question to you yesterday. I mean, if we're going into Game Seven of a playoff series or Game Five, and I got an option between you know Jay Happ, Domingo Herman. Uh, who knows how Paxton or, or CeCe are pitching at that point. I think an opener game might be the best way to go. I, I, I mean, they've been, they've been great with that, especially if you have everybody on, on decent rest. It's been really fun. I went to the opener game on Thursday, and I was really excited for it. It's the first one I've been to since uh, the unofficial days of bullpen day when I saw um, Tanyan's third start on the 4th of July in 2005. <laughs> Well, uh, London fans are going to get to see it as well because they're, they're throwing an opener on Sunday, I believe. Tanaka's on Saturday. Are uh, they really? Because it was Hap's turn. Well, I think they're going with an opener. I think that's what I saw from Lindsay Adler yesterday. You can double ch- double check for me to make sure. I just I'm checked not on Yankees.com. It's a TBD, so I'm assuming that's that's a no- that's usually the sign. They didn't Which... they didn't want to uh, succumb the London fans to Jay Hap and turn them off to baseball. This is their what? chance to grab those fans. That makes sense. It's a time where you got an off day the two days before, so nobody's going to be pitching more mm-hmm. than twice in a row, and then you have an off day the day after. Come back, play six games, and then you got the All Star break. So, yeah, no, but you're right. I mean, the opener has a. Uh, it's been pretty fun considering they win every game that they've done that they've implemented this so far, and Cortez is a big reason why. It's really fun to see him mess with hitters with those different angles and and those. Uh, different deliveries messing with hitters timing a lot and he's really been putting in some good work and and let's not forget about Chad Green who was completely lost at the beginning of the season he goes down to AAA to figure some things out was started coming set I think farther away from his body I can't remember what what the tweak was but something when he comes set that he changed a little bit and it certainly has seemed to help out and you know he, he comes in in an emergency uh, emergency performance because Jonathan, yeah, because Jonathan Holder is looks as lost as Green did at the beginning of the season, and he got the job done. And then he comes back and pitches another successful opener. So it's definitely been good having this Chad Green back, especially when he's touching ninety seven, ninety eight with his fastball. Yeah, I mean he's been great since coming back. Uh, thank God Jonathan Holder is down in AAA. Um, <laughs> And I guess we haven't really touched on this yet. Um, I'm just to change gears because I'm just into greens with everything you said. Green's been great. Cortez is fun to watch. I love watching the opener games. Just speaking of getting sent down to the minors and Holder, which I mean, can we just agree that it's about damn time that we don't have to watch Jonathan Holder for at least like ten days? Oh yeah, I mean he he was completely lost. Yeah, I, I went to go do something for work the other night. I come back, I left at ten two. I come back, it's ten seven. I'm like, what the heck? Anyway. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Talkman getting called up over Frazier? Like, how have we not hit on this yet? Just because I don't, I, I guess I just didn't really think it was huge news. I mean, they know Talkman's not going to be playing every day, and they want and they want Frazier playing every day down in AAA. I, I, at least I feel like that's that's the thinking because you know the Yankees, like you said, they they have two days off, then two games in London, then a day off, then what, a week and a half until the All-Star break? And mm-hmm. you figure, you know, you have Hicks and Judge back, which they didn't have last time Frazier was up. And I, 
I really hope that means they're not planning on giving Talkman too much too much playing time. Now but, Brett Gardner's indestructible, apparently. We're just going to keep playing him. Yeah, they're going to ride him right into the ground. But now that's what I mean. If they had Frazier up, they could play him in left field, where apparently he's more comfortable, but uh, I don't know. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, what's more comfortable than awful? But um, do you make anything out of this whole, he took three days to report, and they don't like him, or do you think it's just what you said? Yeah, I really don't. I, I don't really make anything of that. He took the time that was allotted and then he was back playing so i i don't know sometimes i feel like could be fishing for some drama that's not there i mean obviously he was i'm I'm sure he was frustrated seemed to handle it really well when he heard the news and was talking to the media post game obviously did a much better job than after the (laughs) sunday sunday night game against boston when he and then and then the next day when he was there yeah (laughs) yeah so um, no, I don't really make anything of that. I don't know if you do, but I'm I'm not too concerned about that kind of stuff. I I think this is to me a a flag that he's 100 percent being traded, and I think the organization has kind of had its. I, I I this is my personal feeling. I don't like Clint Frazier like as a as a fan. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of of the distraction that's that's Clint Frazier at times, and a lot of that is fabricated by the media which he acknowledged what I believed was at the wrong time. But then a lot of that falls on, on him too. And I understand that's him being a kid, but uh, we didn't have Aaron judge or Gary Sanchez uh, messaging that Instagram model about going on dates that was shown for everybody and, you know, not showing up to them. Like for as, as much BS as Gary got last year, he always stood in front of his locker with an interpreter so he can answer the questions fully and not just give yes or no answers. And, and he did a great job of being accountable. And, and that, that to me is important. So that's kind of how I, why I've soured on Frazier a bit, but um, he, he's got a good bat. And to me, this, this is just a sign to me that, that he's probably getting traded. Yeah. But at the same time, you also, you know, you're hearing from guys like Ken Rosenthal that the Yankees are, would only consider moving him if it was for a controllable young starter. So, you know, you know, but we Cashman always played like, this is when I have the most, most faith in Cashman is that he plays this game so well when it comes to hyping or de-hyping prospects and, um, and players that he's going to get like, this is where off season Cashman, I'm like, okay, but in season Cashman, I know just like with the Encarnacion thing, he's going to do something that's going to make me happy. And, like, you know, look at how Brandon Drury's done since we moved him for Hap. And as much as Hap's been a disaster this year, the Hap trade worked out wonderfully last year, except for the playoff game. He won, what, nine and one with the Yankees? So I have a lot of faith in, in Cashman to do the right thing. But we'll uh, we'll see. I, I just think right now the team is rocking and rolling. And, um, you know, even if you have Brett Gardner or Mike Talkman in the lineup, you also have Encarnacion, Gary Sanchez, Gleyber Torres, Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt, excuse me, Luke Voigt. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to having at least those guys in the lineup for a little while together, hopefully. And uh, as we get into July, it really seems like they they have an offense that's going to keep them in every game. And if they could add some pitching, some starting pitching, excuse me, it, it'll get even better. Yeah, yeah, that's the key. And and getting maybe even Herman back to like like you mentioned when we talked to Katie Sharp, some regression was expected. I don't think that much regression was expected considering how he pitched before 
the Yankees announced the injury, but if the hip was bothering him, like he said, for the last you know, week and a half before he finally brought it up, then maybe you can expect him to be better than he was before he went on the IL. Maybe not as good as he was at the beginning of the year, but I think the Yankees would take that right now because he was phenomenal at the beginning of the year and dreadful before he hit the IL. So if they can get another you know, league average starter to uh, help a rotation that uh, frankly needs it right now because... CC can't throw that many innings anymore, and Happ and Paxton have not been good, so another arm would help there, and then you hope another, yet another arm is acquired externally through a trade. But like you said, it's hard not to be feeling good about this team as we head into July and are right at the halfway point of the season considering the current lead they have in the division, how the team has looked offensively, how a lot of a lot of these new faces have performed like LeMayhew, uh, like Encarnacion. So definitely, uh, definitely a good time. Good time to be a Yankee fan right now. I'd say it's been, uh, it's been a fun, fun June. They, I really like how they had that little spurt and then they came back with vengeance. That, that shows me a little something that the 2018 team didn't really have, right? They had that great winning streak and then they sputtered and then they kind of just played 500, a little bit better ball the rest of the year. And, and this team came back and, uh, from not, not the ropes, but from, from a little bit of a barrage and, and came back with a flurry of their own. And, uh, it's been, been really fun to watch, especially this, this homestand, I mean, nine and one on a homestand is awesome. And you couple that with the two games prior that they won in Chicago after that, that losing streak, it's been, um, it's, it's been a good bounce back and, uh, a lot of fun. All right. So I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be like the third week in a row where we have a universal agreement on what we're watching this weekend. I mean, I think two weeks ago it was Didi coming back last week. It was judge coming back. And now I mean, are we looking forward to the London series? That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Is yeah, I mean, the next episode will probably drop on the fourth of July, so we'll have London and the Subway Series, which <laughs> I can't wait to go visit the Mets, even if we lose a couple games to them. <laughs> it's just so fun to watch all the drama going on. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing the London series. What is it, 390 to dead center, 395? They keep talking about so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what the game looks like uh, Saturday and hopefully a little bit on Sunday morning be able to check out. But I'm, I'm pretty excited, excited to see that. And um, I, I'm just excited that they're getting a little rest, too, honestly, because it looks like they need it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So nice. Hopefully they have a nice couple days of exploring all the sites over there across the pond and then uh, hopefully a successful two games to create even more separation in the division and we will uh like sean said we'll be back probably on the fourth of july to talk about the london series and the subway series so four fun games before now and next time we talk and a thanks again to sweeney murdy for coming on great stuff from him and don't forget to check out his 30 with murdy podcast and don't forget to check us out when we return next week see you later everybody